You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly and I am joined once more on the show by my uh, co-host here, Mr. Doug Moore. And uh, we're going to be joined later on in the show. Looking forward to it with Chris Wesleyan from the Around the NFL Podcast. Uh, it's always fun having Chris on, so looking forward to that, Doug. Uh, how's things going? Uh, things are going pretty well, pretty well. Uh, it's uh, It's been a hectic uh, week or so here in, 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 uh, in New England. And uh, I can tell you there are a lot of people excited about this particular game and i know you're you're a uh, a big packers fan so it sounds like uh i'm sure it's pretty exciting uh whoever you are talking to about it uh, yeah and the uh, the the possibility as well of uh, a packers uh, patriots super bowl uh, still looms large we'll find out this weekend if it is a possibility or if it not if it's a possibility if it in fact will happen uh, coming up in February, so that should be fun. My brother's also a Patriots fan, so it uh, should be a rivalry in the household as well if that does happen, and uh, a podcast rivalry here as well, so that should be fun. Uh, this week for me, uh, it's been a busy week as well, and um, I'm actually going to London on Sunday, so prior to the NFC and AFC Championship games, I'm uh, heading over to watch Arsenal playing soccer. Uh, my flight will be leaving 6.40 a.m., uh, so this is going to be a crazy day for me. I, I, I'm getting the bus at 1 a.m., flight at uh, 6.40 a.m., then uh, the flight back is at 20 past 7 in the evening, and the bus home will get me in around uh, 1.40 a.m. again, so I'll be watching uh, the AFC and NFC Championship games while traveling uh, on a bus likely, so hopefully I don't be shouting too much at, uh, at my computer monitor, but it's going to be a busy day, and then back into work on Monday, so should be interesting, but uh, looking forward to it all the same. So, <laughs> might have to have some caffeine come Monday, Doug? Uh, yeah, yeah, I suspect that you'll probably need some, <laughs> uh, considering that the game is at 6, uh, the, the, the Patriots game is at 6.05, I believe. Yeah, uh, 11.05 uh, here. Yeah, so I, I, um, you know, hopefully it's not as late as an 8.30 game, but, um, you know, some people have to get up for work in the morning, so, and some people have to write about this game, so... I, um, I don't feel bad for them at all because I'm five hours uh, ahead of time. Yeah, so yeah, I, I know. We myself. we've discussed already how bad you feel for 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 someone like me who, <laughs> who covers the game. So, um, but um, yeah, no, I think I think you and I will both uh, toast to having some some uh, uh, caffeine the next day. Definitely, definitely. Uh, obviously, heading into the show, I like to give a plug to iTunes and Stitcher. All the ways you can listen to the OTI podcast are available as well. Uh, on TuneIn, and uh, you can stream it as well on OvertimeIreland.com. And if you need just an RSS feed to uh, click into your phone to, to find it in whatever app you choose to use, you can find all the ways to listen to the show at OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast. So be sure and do that. Make sure you're subscribing and uh, come back and listen each and every week. Give away another two T-shirts this past week, and uh, it was great to uh, give them away to some longtime uh, friends of the show, uh, Leo uh, a lot of people know him as Sega FF on Twitter, um, part of the DLF crew. He won one of them, so it was uh, great for somebody who, who's been a long-time supporter of the show to get one of those T-shirts, and they have been sent out and uh, should be with them shortly. I'll uh, likely be giving away some more this weekend, so stay tuned to that at Overtime Ireland feed to find out more on that. Obviously, uh, big wins last week for the Patriots and the Packers. Uh, Dion Lewis had a monster game for the Patriots in that one and then the Packers uh, you know getting Mason Crosby with ice in his veins to finish that game off uh, Aaron Rodgers with another 
big game for the Packers there. But some news before we get into previewing the conference championship games with Chris Wesley in just a moment. Uh, Andrew Luck had shoulder surgery. Uh, it's on his throwing shoulder. Uh, it's likely going to be six months till he's 100% and should be back for the start of Colts training camp. But doesn't really get much bigger, Doug, than a, a shoulder surgery on a, a throwing uh, arm for a star quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no, I think the thing is, is, um, you know, when, when you look at this, you know, Andrew Luck, I think considering what he's had to deal with, uh, you know, the past few years, not just injury wise, but just, um, you know, all the deficiencies that he's had to deal with, you know, poor offensive line play defenses that can't, you know, stall, you know, opposing teams offenses, causing him to have to throw it, you know, 40, 50 times a game uh, and, and just a, a lack of, uh, you know, a proper run game. And granted, I love Frank Gore. I think he's one of the best running backs uh, of our generation, but I think they could do a lot better. So it's really concerning when the, probably the one most consistent piece of offense you have, or the, the, obviously the, the franchise quarterback has throwing shoulder surgery. Yeah. It's not a good sign at all. Uh, but luckily it's the timing is hopefully where they can not rush him back as they've tried to do in the past with injuries he's had. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, obviously a concern, as I mentioned. We'll see how it develops. But uh, with uh, the uh, how surgery and so on has become not routine, but uh, you know, medical practices have have increased, uh, you know, in successfulness so much. Um, hopefully, we'll see Andrew Luck back because obviously he's played this last two seasons with a, a lot of injuries, and hopefully we see him back at a hundred percent. And uh, that would be extremely good news to Colts fans. Uh, other news, obviously, with the Falcons coming up this week, it seems Kyle Shanahan is set to be um, the, the 49ers head coach. Uh, pretty much everyone else that was involved has either uh, put, taken their name out of the hat or not uh, been talked about anymore as, a, as having a chance at the role. Obviously, uh, he cannot take the job until the Falcons are no longer in the playoffs. So depending on how that game goes this week, whether they make the Super Bowl or not, it might be delayed a little bit longer. Looks like Shanahan will get the role there. Good role for uh, somebody who you know has had... A nice bit of success as an offensive coordinator over his time in the league, and gives him an opportunity to, to start with a team where he's going to kind of have to get you know three or four years anyway to, to get an opportunity to build this team because there's no team probably outside of the Browns that's at a lower point in the NFL right now than the 49ers. Do you think it'd be a, a good move for the 49ers, Doug? I think it's a terrific move for the 49ers. I think it's a horrible move for Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> um, you know the, the 49ers. I would say. Are probably the, are probably in the worst position out of any team in the NFL. They don't have that many building blocks on their team. Um, you know they, you know on offense, looking at it, uh, their quarterback is going to be a, probably a rookie next year. I think it's pretty safe to say it'll be some rookie or some bottom of the barrel veteran that is trying to stall so a, a rookie can learn the offense. Their running back is probably the only thing I'm happy about, but he's been dealing with injuries his first few years in the league. Yeah. Carlos Hyde. And, you know, they have Vance McDonald, who I'm a fan of. But, again, we haven't seen enough consistency from him. And, granted, it could be the fact that, they, you know, the, the 49ers just don't have the a quarterback that can actually throw um, much or throw at least well. Um, and then on their defensive side, their best player is coming off a, a terrible injury. Uh, that's Navarro Bowman with his torn Achilles. So I, I think this is a terrific get for um, for the 49ers. I think that they're going to have a dynamic offense um, once they get the players that he needs. But it will take some time. Um, I feel Kyle could do a lot better. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, if they give him the time that they need to give him, which we haven't seen from the last two coaches who have only lasted a year each, um, I, I think he could turn it into something well. And I think, you know, as long as he can bring in someone solid on defense and bring in a GM that he can work with, uh, which is the case, it sounds like, uh, I, I feel confident he could do something with this. In other news, uh, the Cleveland Browns are trying to ink a new uh, deal for Jimmy Collins. Obviously, he was traded over for a conditional draft pick from the New England Patriots on the, the trade deadline and a move that surprised uh, pretty much everybody at the time. So uh, it'll be that'll be a nice move. We're talking about the 49ers uh, not having many building blocks, and I mentioned them around the same line as the Browns. Well, you know, the Browns should uh, try and get Jamie Collins inked up and give them a building block to move around. There's some pieces there for the Browns that they can start to be happy about moving forward, looking to the future. But I think, you know, after get uh, trading for him during the season, it is, uh, you know, a huge, huge thing for them to, to if they get him signed up long term. Do you think that, uh, Doug, seeing him in New England would be a, a solid move for the Browns? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, when you look at Collins, I think he's one of the, the more highly athletic and versatile uh, linebackers still in the league. Um, I think a lot of people I've seen have said that he doesn't deserve the money he's going to get. A um, couple things I point out with that, the rising salary cap and the fact that the Browns have so much money they need to spend anyway. Um, I think there are much worse building blocks out there. Um, but, you know, I, I think you know, with a new defensive coordinator in there um, who, you know, in Greg Williams that has been able to make, you know, some, you know, he's had some good defenses, especially in front seven with, uh, with the Rams over the past few years. And even when he was with the saints, uh, he still had some solid defenses. I think this is a good move. Um, Definitely a solid building block. You know, if you can get more guys to contribute like a a Joe Hayden, who can be more consistent and just keep stockpiling, or you know, going out, maybe spending some big money on some other guys that they have to spend, but also do well in the draft. I think this is a good first step for them, and I feel a lot, com- a lot more confident about the Browns uh, moving forward over the next few years than uh, the 49ers for sure. And uh, and bit of news that came as kind of a surprise today is that Ravens inside linebacker Zach Orr is retiring after three seasons. He did uh, start 15 games last year for the Ravens and uh, missed the last game of the season after going on IR with a neck injury. Uh, he was the leading tackler on the team this season as well. So a bit of a surprise there in that move. We'll see if he's possibly talked out of it. Uh, I've seen reports that the Ravens were trying to negotiate a long-term contract with him, but uh, obviously things have taken a different turn there and we'll see what happens but the Ravens as well a team that are looking to build for the future uh, with how this season although they were in playoff contention up to then there was uh, some disappointing moments for that team this season so we'll see what happens there but uh, let's uh, get into looking forward to this week's games two games on the slate obviously and uh, let's get Chris Wesley on the show Hi this is Greg Rosenthal and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast Joined now back on the podcast by Chris Wesley, and a lot of uh, our listeners will know him from his work on NFL.com as well as well as the fantastic Around the NFL podcast, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to in between doing the OTI podcast. But uh, Chris, as always, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, obviously, we have uh, kind of a stacked conference championship coming up this weekend with the two games that are on show. Last week's game on, games on paper looked uh, phenomenal, but this week's games just uh, really seem like the, the cream is rising to the top. And we're going to start off with the Green Bay-Atlanta game. But in your opinion, in terms of uh, quarterback play, do you think uh, this is possibly the, you know, the, the best round of uh, conference championship quarterbacks to, uh, that we've seen, particularly in recent years? That's a good question. It's it's pretty hard to find two MVP candidates like this. It seems like there was probably a year where Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were at the top of their game. Uh, but off the top of my head, this is this is definitely one of the most impressive performances, especially when you consider basically Aaron Rodgers has been transcendent for the past two months. Yeah, certainly has. And if you're we're looking to this Green Bay game in terms of Las Vegas, they have this uh, set at the highest total playoff game uh, in NFL history, sixty point five. It is currently standing at, so they're expecting a shootout, like uh, most of the people who are going to watch the game expecting a huge shootout. But this is a, a rematch of uh, the Week Eight shootout in Atlanta, where Green Bay did come up just short, uh, losing by one point in that game, where. The Packers were without a lot of their uh, players who are starting to round into form, including Jared Cook, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, and Clay Matthews was also out of that contest. So we might see some different things, but we also see this season as uh, Atlanta have continued to roll on and roll on uh, with that high-powered offense. I'm a Packers fan, obviously, but my main concern this week heading into it is with uh, the Green Bay defense trying to slow down uh, what we all know Atlanta can do on offense, even against strong defenses. Uh, we've seen it time and time again this season. How do you think uh, the Packers have a ch- What can they do to uh, slow down this Atlanta offense uh, this coming week to give them a chance uh, in the game? I mean, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> what can, I don't know what they can do. I, I guess you have to get after Matt Ryan and shut down the running game, which is both of those things easier said than done. This is one of the better offensive lines in the league. And it's the best backfield in the NFL. During that week eight game, the Falcons didn't have Kevin Coleman. And, and I think he's a top 10 back. I think both these guys are top 10 NFL backs. So that's going to be a challenge. I think the Packers probably did as good a job against Devontae Freeman as anybody. But can they do it again? I'm not sure. But if you're, if you're talking about how they have a chance, sack Matt Ryan about five times and shut down the running game. Yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be very, very hard for them. You know, Dom Capers, the defensive coordinator, has had his fair share of criticism over the years. But looking at even particularly against Dallas last week, how uh, time and time again uh, in that second half, uh, Gunter was lined up one and one with Des Bryant on a number of occasions. And we've seen how that burned them down the stretch as the Cowboys got back into that one. So you can sell out to try and stop the run on this one. But then, of course, you've got Julio Jones, who, according to Dan Quinn, is going to be full go this weekend uh, <laughs> as he as he looks to get healthier after that foot issue that he had last, or the toe issue that he had last week. So it's going to be a tough one. So, you know, looking to the Packers, you're looking at Rodgers and the hot streak that he's on, but then we're looking at Jordy Nelson with the rib injury, uh, obviously with the fractured ribs, and he is at the moment still a long shot to play. Missed today's practice on Friday with illness, although he did do more than expected on Thursday at practice. And then uh, obviously the ankle injury for Devontae Adams and with Geronimo Allison as well, that hamstring injury. So uh, pretty banged up at the moment. So you're you're kind of saying that outside of uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, ripping it up one more week again and uh, those wide receivers being a little bit healthier, uh, it's going to be a tough one here. But you you are expecting it to, to definitely go down that shootout route because uh, looking at both defenses, definitely the weakest matchups in this game. And then, of course, the offense is both uh, very high-powered. Yeah, I expect it to be even more points in the Week 8 game. Like you said, the Packers were missing a lot of guys in that game. and 
even if Geronimo Allison can't play or if Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson are limited at best, Jeff Janice and, and Trevor Davis had probably their best games of the year against the Falcons earlier too. So we know they, we know they can play. And like I said, Tevin Coleman wasn't there. I think Julio Jones was playing through a, a knee injury in that game and was only targeted once in the final 45 minutes. I think he's actually a little bit healthier now than he was in that game. So I do expect a shootout. I don't trust either one of these defenses, and the Packers are playing at a higher level now with, with Rodgers being so good. So, uh, Chris, I'm just curious. Um, when, when you look at, obviously, Atlanta and you look at Green Bay, you know, the, the one big thing is, you know, Atlanta's run attack, like you talked about, you, you know, even potentially two top ten running backs in the league. Um, do you think that the X factor or, or a big factor that could come into play uh, for the Packers is how well their their run attack does uh, between Ty Montgomery and uh, Christine Michael, which obviously you look at uh, Ty, Ty Montgomery was a, a wide receiver up until halfway through the season as I think performed above expectations. And then also Christine Michael, who uh, did okay, I guess, or did well in Seattle. And now he's a backup with Green Bay. How, how important do you think it is for, for Green Bay, not only to, to pass the ball, but um, you know, also be able to run the ball efficiently? Well, I think it depends on the health of those wide receivers and how well Aaron Rodgers is able to pass. They haven't really made a great attempt to establish the run the last few games. So is it crucial? I don't think so. I think as well as Rodgers is playing, it's not that crucial. But if if you can't move the ball because those wide receivers are injured, then then that's a different story. But I I think this is a pass. This is probably the pass first, the pass heaviest team left in the playoffs, and and that's the that's the way they win games. Yeah, and probably as well when you look at it, it makes sense to go that way with Aaron Rodgers and the way he's playing. This team really is going to go as far as uh, he takes them. And even we seen a few times last week in Dallas, and we seen it against the Giants when they didn't convert that fourth and uh, one or fourth and two play that helped the Giants get back into that for a brief time uh, in Lambeau Field. That you know sometimes we see uh, Mike McCarthy call run plays. You know when you need one or two yards, and I think we've realized at this point that it should just be with Aaron Rodgers and that's the way you're going to pick up those key downs so it'll be interesting to see how they do it how they kind of try and you know keep Atlanta's points total down because uh, with the way they've been playing the Packers are definitely going to struggle to uh, stop them scoring and although the Packers have been scoring uh, freely at well they did have a spell in the game last week against the Cowboys where for uh, kind of a quarter and a half, they really struggled on offense. So we'll see how they go and how those wide receivers suit up. But even if all the wide receivers that are limited or questionable do uh, turn out to play, I think a key part of this game again could be Jared Cook, who I've mentioned on the podcast over the last few weeks has been starting to, you know, he's got fitter. He's played a lot of games in a row consistently since he came back against Washington after missing a number of games kind of around the middle of the season. And I think he's been a, a huge impact. Uh, you know, although he's not been putting up huge numbers in the stats, he has been getting more and more of a target share in this offense. And I think he's somebody that Aaron Rodgers uh, really uh, likes uh, to, to have in that lineup. And I think we've seen as well when he went to on that key spot last week for that uh, long catch to set up the field goal that he's somebody as well he trusts in a big spot to uh, make those plays. So I think uh, a key for the Packers in this game could be Jared Cook because again it's likely that the run game probably won't live up to the efficiency that we're going to see and we can get some more uh, first downs and short yardage uh, through the tight end position so I think that's one to uh, to look at anything that we didn't mention there Chris in that game that you think uh, could be key to it yeah I, I like the way they're using Jared Cook he's 
normally matched up on safety, but he's even beating he's even being beating cornerbacks at times. Uh, I think that's interesting. He's he's been a secret weapon for Rodgers. Uh, I think they went two and four in the six games he missed with an ankle injury, and some of that was the poor secondary play. But Jared Cook has been crucial this year for the Packers. Uh, I, I think you covered most of it there, though. And uh, with the game, obviously, uh, getting your uh, prediction on it, Chris, uh, me and Doug will give ours uh, later in the show, but your prediction for the, the Falcons-Packers game? Uh, I have the Falcons winning. I just think everything comes easier to them than it does for for Rodgers and the Packers, where there's a lot of high degree of difficulty throws out there. I expect both teams to top 30 points. I don't, I don't have as much confidence that the Packers can keep up with the Falcons' offense this pretty much unstoppable in that building and obviously moving on to the Pittsburgh game they travel to New England this week and I think this is a game where the more I've looked up about it throughout the week maybe New England should be a little bit more concerned as Pittsburgh roll into town obviously Pittsburgh won in last week against the Chiefs with those I think it was five field goals and they end up no touchdowns but they did continue to move the ball at well we've seen time and time again how much Le'Veon Bell means to this team and how well he's been playing but I think the key to this is going to be that uh, you know they can't afford to turn the ball over in New England we've seen Ben this season and at times you know be a little bit careless with the ball and call, uh, you know interceptions turnovers so we'll see we'll see if that there can turn out but I, I do think Pittsburgh has a realistic attempt to go in here to New England and uh, knock off the Patriots. Do you see that uh, happening this week, Chris? Yeah, that's a tricky line they're going to have to balance there. They can't turn the ball over, but they have to be more aggressive than they've been the past few weeks. I think they knew that the Dolphins couldn't keep up with them. They called a conservative game there. And then against the Chiefs, they were were conservative again. A lot of Le'Veon Bell, especially once they got a lead, I think they're going to have to turn Big Ben loose and let him pass the ball more in this game. Uh, I, I don't think they're, they're going to be able to just saddle up Le'Veon Bell for 35 carries against a defense that hasn't allowed a 90-yard rusher in 24 games. So I, I do think they're going to have to cut it loose a little bit. So, so Chris, you, you know, like you mentioned, obviously, you know, uh, in the first two games of the playoffs for the Steelers, uh, Le'Veon Bell has, I think, over 330 yards rushing. Uh, incredible numbers, but like you said, they didn't really rely so much on their their passing offense. Um, and I've said this on the podcast before about another uh, tight end, I guess you could say, and and calm knows him. Well, Darius Green, how is him, how important would it be? I saw that he was in the final stage of the the concussion protocol. Um, how important would it be if they were able to get a guy like that back who? has shown he could be one of the better vertical tight ends in the league, uh, I think, when he's played, especially when he, we saw it uh, later in the season when he, he got his bearing straight in uh, in Pittsburgh. How important is it for them to get another guy that could be consistent and also be a, a, someone who could stretch the field, which we haven't seen besides uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell this season? Yeah, I think that would be that would be huge. Uh, but there he's green. When we saw him play, especially in that Giants game, I think he went over 100 yards, and Big Ben looked for him down the seam a couple of times. I think Ladarius Green would be huge for them because Jesse James really doesn't move quite as well. I know the Chiefs left him open in the first half last week, uh, wide open on a few plays, and didn't really pay much attention to him. But the Patriots aren't going to do that. So uh, I think Ladarius Green, is he's one of the more talented and speedy tight ends in the league. So that would be big, especially since that wide receiver rotation – opposite Antonio Brown you're not getting much out of Kobe Hamilton in that group so I'll just go real quick on this one and, and calm knows I'm really quick on these things um 
So, I, I mean, we, we've seen this this Pittsburgh defense really improve, I guess you could say, in the second half. Um, not so much, you know, you're not going to see it so much on the stats, but they've been more physical. They've uh, gotten players that they had hoped to get production out of getting it. You know, you see a guy like James Harrison at age 38 still, you know, causing trouble in the backfields of, of uh, opposing teams. What do you think for, for the for the um, for the Steelers' defense is going to be more important because you, you look at uh, New England's offense, and, and the one thing that has been so different in years past is they have a stable run game, which they've relied on heavily. Obviously, Legarrette Blunt had uh, 299 rushing attempts this season, which I think is top five in the NFL, and also had 18 rushing touchdowns this season, which led the NFL. So I, I'm just curious, what do you think is more important for them, uh, the Steelers, if they had to focus on one area? To, to try and limit uh, New England's uh, effectiveness on offense. I, I think you have to shut down Tom Brady. He's the greatest. I mean, as, as, as solid as that running game is, and Deion Lewis is playing really well now too, but if, if you're asking what's the most important, you have to shut down the greatest quarterback ever to play. Uh, Tom Brady's still at the top of his game. He's gotten better in every category as he gets into his 30s. Higher completion rate, higher passer rating, higher yards per attempt. Still going strong. I think you get to shut him down. Yeah, I think I agree with Chris and what he said. And obviously, you mentioned the Garrett Blunt, and he's had a big year and he had a big day when they they played back in Week Seven. But it was a completely different game, obviously, because Landry Jones was in a quarterback as well for the Steelers. But I think the interesting situation is going to be like Doug mentioned if they do try and slow down the run. But I think they're going to go rather and slow down the the passing game, try and limit them there. But if they do try and slow down Legarrette Blount, you can slip in James White, you can slip in Dion Lewis, get passes out of the backfield, and then Julian Edelman has had a, a great season after having a slow start since week nine. He uh, is leading the NFL in receiving yards per game at almost 100. He's at 98.3 since week nine, so he's been really, really uh, dominant uh, in that final stretch down the, the run there. Obviously, Malcolm Mitchell had a nice little rookie campaign. He's struggling with a knee injury, Chris Hogan with a thigh injury, but uh, both of them, I think, are expected to slot in there uh, in the lineup. Michael Floyd is the other wide receiver that could come in there if those guys don't play and see what his usage is this week. But it's going to be a fascinating game because, uh, as Doug mentioned as well, with James Harris and the Steelers' defense has improved a lot since Week 10. Uh, no passer facing them has a 265 yards since Week 10, so that's a nine-game run there. Uh, have you been surprised at how the Steelers' defense has improved uh, as the season's progressed, Chris? I think we all have. Uh, you know, before, in the first 10 weeks of the season, I think they were 28th in, in total defense, uh, 25th in passing defense, and they were last in sacks. So the turnaround, I think, has been in scope and in cel- ex- acceleration. It's been really impressive and surprising how, just how much they're, t- they're top five in every category during their nine-game winning streak, and they're leading the NFL in sacks over that over that span. So I, I do think it's been impressive. And, and you have to, in addition to James Harrison, they got Bud Dupree back. Yeah. And you have to give credit to their trio of rookie starters, Javon Hardgrave had no tack, no tackle. And then the two guys in the secondary, Artie Burns and, and Sean Davis. I, that, that's when they started getting good, when they moved those rookies into the secondary. So obviously we've kind of talked through some of the, the key points of the game. I, I want to get your prediction now on how you think this is going to roll. Can, can the Steelers pull off an upset here uh, in Foxborough? Sure, they can. The Steelers can beat any team, but do I think it's going to happen? <laughs> I, I think the Patriots are sixteen and three at home in the playoffs yeah. under Belichick and Brady. That is an eight forty two winning percentage. When in doubt, I stick with Belichick and Brady. So I would, 
I would predict something like 30 to 27 Patriots in this game. Yeah, and obviously I said me and Doug are going to give our predictions later, so we'll we'll save that as a teaser for later in the show. But I have a feeling we're both going to probably agree with Chris there. Uh, obviously, Chris is on Twitter at Chris Wesling, and uh, if you aren't already checking out the Around the NFL podcast, uh, you definitely should be with uh, Dan Hanzus and Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. It's always a good lesson each and every week. But Chris, as always, uh, it's been a, a real joy having you on the podcast. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy this weekend's games, and uh, hopefully. We'll get to have you on again in the future. Uh, as always, it's our pleasure. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Hi, I'm Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, and you are listening to Overtime Ireland. So that was Chris. Of course, I mentioned their follow on Twitter, at Chris Wesling, and uh, myself and Doug didn't uh, give our predictions for either game, so we'll get into that now. And uh, dude, we're going to start off again. Doug will bounce back, or actually, we'll, we'll go since we talked last about the New England Patriots game. Uh, we'll we'll jump into that, and I'll let you go first uh, with uh, your prediction on that, and anything that else that you wanted to add on the game. Yeah, so I'll first go and add some of the, my thoughts to the game. Um, you know, we talked about um, you know Pittsburgh's defense and how it's improved vastly um, over the second half of the season. One thing I will point out um, is. You know, when you I found the stat interesting. Someone pointed out the the Steelers had 37 sacks on the season, which is a pretty good number when you think about. It. That's almost that's over two a game, which isn't that bad considering you know the Steelers have, have played some tough offensive lines and, and some tough quarterbacks. Um, but one thing I guess you could point out is, and I saw this, 12 of those sacks, so one third basically of those sacks came against their two games against uh, Cleveland. So that's one thing I will point out. I'm not saying I'm not taking away from them. I just found it to be an interesting stat that I wanted to point out. But uh, looking at the Patriots, I, I think one big storyline will be how many, if not all, their wide receivers will play. You know, they finally have five true wide receivers. I say true because Matthew Slater is, is a special teams captain, but he's technically listed as a wide receiver on the depth chart. So, you know, obviously they have five health, uh, not healthy, but they have five true wide receivers. And it'll be interesting to see if all of them play. You know, four of them played last weekend with Malcolm Mitchell sitting out. But, you know, Chris Hogan and him uh, and, and Malcolm Mitchell are both on the injury report. They're both questionable. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see if both of them play. Because uh, we did see it a lot last year where they did function with five wide receivers, even though some of them probably shouldn't even have been on some NFL practice squads, let alone right <laughs> um, you know, when the, the injuries got bad. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they can get very creative. I think, you know, one thing for them is going to be to try and attack those rookies in the secondary, um, Sean Davis and um, Artie Burns. Uh, I, they've been doing well over the second half of the season, but I think that they are still inconsistent, which is completely understandable considering they are rookies. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, in the end, my prediction, I still think the Patriots will win this game. They've been terrific at home, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Uh, not only this season, but uh, in seasons past. I'm going to go ahead. I'll even give a score prediction as well. Um, I will say that the Patriots will win this game 31 to 20, 24. 31 to 24. Well, uh, I haven't gone for 31 to 24, but I have gone as well for a Patriots victory. Uh, I kind of hinted at it a few times when we were talking to Chris about the possibility of the Steelers coming in. 
uh, and it's upsetting the Patriots. If they are to do something like that this week, they obviously have to to make those uh, plays in the red zone. Uh, I mentioned the field goals last week against the Chiefs. They kept getting held down in the red zone, although they were making a lot of yards in between the 20s. So if they are to do that, they obviously, I mentioned Ben not turning the ball over. Uh, that's another key scenario. And of course, uh, scoring uh, when they get into the red zone. But I don't think they're going to win this week. Uh, I think there is that chance. I would give them maybe a 35% chance of going in and getting the upset. But as Chris mentioned, how strong the Patriots are at home, particularly in the playoffs. So I'm going for a Patriots win as well. And uh, I'm going for 27-17. Uh, I just don't think the the Steelers are going to put up enough points in this one. And uh, it's going to be an interesting match. And we're we're looking dug again at uh, the Patriots getting to the Super Bowl yet again. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at this team, one of the biggest things last year they dealt with was so many different injuries. They're relatively healthy. They do have seven players that are questionable for Sunday. But I would suspect that most of their stars are still going to play this weekend. Um and you just look at, you know, the one I would say another big difference is they're relying on, on their uh, on their run game a lot more, which they had Steven Jackson and Joey Iasofa uh, this time last year. And, and this year they have, uh, you know, LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis, which is a, a complete improvement. So I, I think it's 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 I would not be surprised if the Patriots not only go to the Super Bowl, but are the favorites and, and do win the Super Bowl at this pace. Well, uh, if they do get there, they will definitely be the favourites. Looking at the the go-ahead lines in Vegas, um, likely to be a a two-and-a-half to three-point favourite, depending on who they face from the NFC. But I would still say, uh, going on how high-powered both teams are uh, in the NFC, I think whoever comes out of that side would be my favourite to win it. But I think uh, going on the betting lines, uh, we will see the Patriots' favourite in the Super Bowl, of course, as well, the the public support that they will get uh, from that side of things. But um, it's going to be interesting, and you know, when Gronk went down uh, at that point in the middle of the season, we kind of thought that the Patriots would struggle, but uh, they've continued to roll as it has gone on. We'll see how they do this week. Uh, the other game is obviously the Packers against the Falcons, uh, one that I'm very excited about. But I did predict on last week's show that the Packers, uh, you know, if they got into that lead, uh, that would be where I would like to see the Cowboys try and react and how they would do. Well, the Cowboys certainly did react in that, in that game and had me about to have a heart attack couple of times towards the end of that game as they tied things up and then the Packers went on to win but uh, this week they face uh, the Atlanta Falcons and I I find it very very hard to see how the Packers are going to slow down uh, the Falcons this week it's going to be an interesting one again if they give up the yards uh, between the 20s and can hold them to some field goals it would be uh, something that I would like to see happening but it's very hard for me to go into this one with the you know the confidence and even to play it in my head as to how they could go in and beat the Falcons this week. I know Rodgers will put up points against this uh, secondary and the defense of the Falcons, but I can see Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and those running backs just carving through the Packers all game long. So I, I want to go for a Packers victory in this one, but I, I'm just going to have to to give the Falcons the edge. And it's going to be high scoring, I think, maybe 35-27 uh, to, to the Falcons, and maybe... That's me doing a little bit of reverse psychology because there's nothing I'd like to see more than uh, the Packers advancing to the Super Bowl uh, with a win this weekend. But, Doug, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I'm glad you you said it first before I did. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Uh, Don't hurt my feelings. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, It's really really hard for me, like you said, uh, and I agree completely with you, to, to get behind Green Bay winning this game. There's a couple things here. Uh, they're dealing with some crucial injuries right now. Um, you know, whether it's uh, Jordy Nelson, who 
probably still won't play. Um, I think at least just considering all the factors, um, you have uh, Geronimo Allison and um, you also have uh, Devonte Adams as well. And there's a realistic chance that two out of those three guys may not suit up this weekend. And, you know, it's just tough. You know, like Chris, uh, Chris said earlier, um, they haven't been relying on their run game a lot. And I think they're going to have to. But I, I don't think it'll be as successful as we hope it will be. And, and the Falcons are coming into this game extremely healthy. They're playing at home. They've been terrific this season and the postseason. And um, it's and trust me, I, I hate to do this to you because you're my pal, you're my bud, and, and you're a big <laughs> Packers fan. But I don't see the Packers winning this game. I just do not. Unless the Falcons screw themselves over somehow, I don't. If both teams perform to their potential, I don't think uh, Green Bay beats the, the Falcons. So I will say another high-scoring game, 41 31. 41-31. So we're going for 72 points in that one. So Doug is in for the shootout this week. Uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm doing it as kind of a reverse jinx, uh, hoping that the Packers go out and win this one. It's going to be fascinating. Whoever wins this, uh, I think the way their season has gone, there's going to be one very, very deserving uh, Super Bowl contender on the NFC side. I think these are the two teams I thought, uh, as the season finished, uh, were the two best teams in the <coughs> NFC, and I predicted they would get to the NFC Championship. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's just one that I've that kind of hinted that feeling of uh, oncoming despair. Uh, I'm kind of preparing myself <laughs> to see how it goes, but really, really looking forward to it all the same. Uh, that is our predictions done for this week's show. Hopefully you did enjoy the podcast. Of course, thanks again to Chris for jumping aboard the show. Thanks to Doug himself for uh, once again gracing us with his presence. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at DMoreNFL. I'm on Twitter, as I mentioned previously, at Overtime Ireland. And uh, we'll have a podcast next week. Obviously, it'll be heading into the Pro Bowl. It'll be more of a look back at uh, this week's conference games. And then we'll have a, a Super Bowl preview prior to the Super Bowl uh, two weeks after that. So looking forward to all that action coming up in the next few weeks. This weekend should be fantastic. As I mentioned, four teams. You know, you want to see the best teams getting there in the end. And uh, I think we're, we're seeing uh, arguably the four best teams uh, as the season progressed getting to this point. Doug, anything before we uh, finish it all up that you want to add? Um, no, I, I think um, I, I think we should not make next week's show about the Pro Bowl, though. Uh, Pro Bowl um, preview. The Pro, well, the Pro Bowl, I think we can both agree, is garbage. Um, Unless you're Tyler Eifert. I... <laughs> I think uh, with so many people there that are uh, declining invites, I think it's a realistic chance that we could see Jared Goff in the in the uh, Pro Bowl. So, um, yeah, let's let's make it about a Super Bowl preview. But no, I, think, <laughs> I like what you I, I like what you said. I think the four best teams, uh, maybe with the exception of the Chiefs, um, the four best teams that are playing in in these games this weekend are are the four best we've seen this season. So I'm really excited for both games um you know and i think we have a great showing as opposed to uh you know a uh i don't know a jaguars texans game or whatever on thursday night so no i'm very excited for this and, and i can't wait which would you rather preview the jaguars texans on the thursday night football or the pro bowl um uh there's I no, would there's probably, no option c <laughs> there was no option c uh are you sure there's no cfl games on <laughs> no um no, I would I would say a Jaguars Texans game, uh, because I think 
when all is said and done, we're going to see your boy Blake Bortles in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> um, and um, the Titans were actually good this season. Or no, I said Texans, right? Yeah, you said Texans. Oh, okay, Texans. Um, yeah, no, I, I would rather do a Jaguars-Texans game because at least I know that game will be entertaining. <laughs> and uh, I think we've rambled on long enough about the Jaguars and the Texans. Uh, if any of their fans are still listening at this point of the season, uh, hopefully next year it uh, goes better. Of course, the Texans did win their division, so that shows uh, how things go in the NFL. Until we're that's, back a, with- that's a hell of a feat. Considering it's the AFC South, arguably the second worst division behind the NFC West. Sorry, Earl Thomas. (laughs) So uh, until we're back with next week's show, enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, Make sure you're following us both on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.